November 10th, it's a Wednesday, 2021 KOLL Podcast Week 9 Review Show. Welcome into the podcast. As always, I am your host, Stefan Siggs. I can't believe we are already through nine weeks of the NFL season, nine weeks of the fantasy football season. It seems to be flying by. It seems like football is here and gone in a flash. And we are really getting into the home stretch here for these teams, making playoff pushes. So here we go. K-O-L-L, week, week nine action. We had... The Melanes getting their second victory of the season, defeating Austin 316, 141.86 to 119.58. Both teams are now 2-7. The longest yard picked a heck of a time to have his worst game of the season, scoring 126.82, but defeating the Oracle, who scored 102.94. The Oracle falls to 1-8, the longest yard, 8-1. Devontae's Inferno pulls out yet another victory, 134.58, defeating the DeLongos, 107.8. The DeLongos fall to 6-3. Devontae's Inferno improves to 7-2. Nick Top, Greg Bottom, defeats the Etlians, the Et... I'm sorry, E.T. Elians, E.T. Elians. The E.T. Elians are the lowest scoring team on the week with 74.86 points. Nick Top, Greg Bottom tops out at 146.5. Nick Top, Greg Bottom improves to 6-3, while the E.T. Elians fall to 4-5. The E.T. Elians are nosediving here as of late. And really need to make a move if they wanna if they wanna put the moves on uh, the division leader who's just as beaver. They're going to need to get it done ASAP. Speaking of who's Justice Beaver, he takes his second straight loss, falling to forever on clean, 171.16 to 157.36. Unfortunately for who's Justice Beaver, the third highest scoring team this week. Um, unfortunately for him, forever on clean was the highest scoring team this week, 171.16. The Thick Dicks to cap us off improved to 4 and 5, defeating the Long Island Beast 160.14 to 98.84. Something to note here Forever Unclean had the highest scoring quarterback, who was Justin Herbert, who put in 35.64 points, and he also had the highest scoring running back on the week, who was James fucking Connor, 41.3. Uh, James Conner was, uh, God, God damn it! James Conner was un- unbelievable, and Chase Edmonds went out on the very first pl- offensive play of the game for the Arizona Cardinals, and James Conner just absolutely took over. We will talk about him a little bit later, I am sure. Um, those were your studs of the week. Uh, Elijah Moore was a high scoring receiver this week, twenty seven point four points, a big factor for the Melonheads getting the victory. Something that I was kind of curious about um, was kind of how the the divisions stack up. We have three divisions, the Corporation, the Acolytes, and the Ministry. 
Um, and I was, you know, you kind of get curious on, you know, where is the strength of the league? What division really holds the power? And um, I tried to make it as, you know, even as I possibly could preseason, but you have no idea what teams are going to do, how they're going to draft, the moves they're going to make, what, you know. Um, I do think that we do have some good parity. You know, we have, you know, the teams at the top of each division, and then each division also has a team who's not very good. So I think there is a lot of parity, but I, I wanted some statistics behind it. You know what I mean? Um, kind of an interdivision. You know, when, when one division's playing the other, how do they perform? And uh, it, it seems like a lot of work. And fortunately for you guys in the KOLL, your commissioner, your podcast host, your league mate went ahead and did that work for you. So I'm going to tell you exactly how the teams are stacking up. The best division without a doubt so far is the Ministry. They are 16 and 8 in interdivision matchups, meaning they are 16 and 8, 16 wins, 8 losses against the Corporation and the Acolytes. Definitely the best team win loss in terms of the win loss records. The Acolytes are 13 and 11 against the other two divisions, um, just about 500, a little bit above. And then the Corporation, I have at 8 and 16 overall, 3 and 8 against the Ministry, 5 and 8 against the Acolytes. So really, in terms of win-loss, the Ministry is definitely by far the best division, the strongest division. Um, you know, win-loss doesn't always tell the story, though. You know, you could have teams who perform really well and lose. That happens all the time. So I kind of wanted to dive into it a little bit more and see if there is more data to back this. Um, so what I did was I went ahead and I, I just added up the total points for all the teams on the year and this is how we broke down uh is that real i can be right um so what i have written down here is that the corporation on the year that's who's justice beaver long island beast E.T. Elians and the Oracle have scored 4,598.2 points on the season. That is absolutely the lowest. So point proven, lowest win-loss record, lowest amount of total points. The Corporation is the weakest division, and that's showing up in the standings as well. The Ministry... Oddly enough, they are 16-8 and eight against the other two divisions on the season, but overall, the Ministry has 5,288.84 points, good for second place. But it's the Acolytes who lead the way in total points with 5,534.92 points. Um, it, it's, it's kind of interesting to look at it that way because it's a, an entire body of work. And it's, it just seems clear that the corporation's the weakest, but the Acolytes and the Ministry are kind of battling back and forth on who the strongest division really is. Uh, the corporation, believably, have, has one playoff team uh, in the division right now, uh, who's just as Beavers, the, the division leader at 6-3. and three. 
Um, overall, I, there's realistically one playoff team in that division, whereas um, you know the acolytes in the ministry really have have three teams each who could find their way into the playoffs, and it's going to be unfortunate the teams that don't make it are probably having strong years, just not really in the win-loss column. Um, and speaking of having good years but not getting it done in the win-loss column, in terms of total points on the season, the two leaders are the obvious choices, the longest yard, and Devontae's Inferno, who have 1503 and 1458 respectively. Strangely enough, though, the third highest scoring team on the year is four and five thick dicks. Uh, you know, it's just one of those situations, man. That's fantasy. You never really know what could happen week to week. It is always interesting. Uh, another note for this particular week, the thick dicks again with 100% efficiency. If I'm not mistaken, that's the second time I've seen that from the thick dicks this year. Uh, just getting it done. Great job. The highest scoring bench players this week, Matt Ryan was the quarterback one this week, 32.52, had a great game. Jordan Howard, 13.1, having him on the bench, that's not a big deal. Uh, I'm not going to attempt to say his first name, Zacchaeus, the wide receiver for the Atlanta Falcons, put in 20.8 for Who's Justice Beaver on the bench, and unfortunately, that would have pushed Who's Justice Beaver over the edge to the victory, but it didn't happen. So with that being said, the KOLL Week 9 action, here is your Week 9, post-Week 9 AP Top 12. Number 12 is the Oracle. Number 11, Austin, 316. Number 10, the Melonheads. Number 9, Long Island Beasts. Number 8, E.T. Elians. Number seven's The Thick Dicks. Number six is Forever On Clean. Number five, The DeLongles. Number four, Who's Justice Beaver. Number three, Nick Top, Greg Bottom. Number two, The Devante's Inferno. And number one, yet again, is The Longest Yard. All right, you guys know I want to broaden these horizons. We've already had at least one or two outside voices coming on to the KOLL podcast. I want that to continue. I'm going to keep looking for outside analysts to come in and talk some football with me. And this week, we have achieved that goal. A friend of mine, the American Najee Warrior, Mr. American himself, is going to join me here on the podcast and we're going to talk a little week nine action talk about some players we like talk about some stinkers we are going to go game by game i hope you guys enjoy listen for the players on your team uh listen for the outlook this is what we think about these players and and what happened this week uh it was a lot of fun uh editors note though of course uh, there's always some technical difficulties, as you know. We did lose the call two different times, so it's broken down into three separate sections. We lost some thoughts along the way uh, as he was learning how his phone reacts to the Anchor app. So, without further ado, Stefan Siggs, the American Najee Warrior, take it away. Week 9 NFL. 
podcast. This is an absolute honor. We have on with us today the American Najee warrior himself. Mr. American, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Uh, fantastic. Ready to talk some football. So let's just get right into it. Thursday night, we had the Jets go down to the Colts 45 to 30. Um, really, honestly, the Jets seem to be really cooking, even though they did lose, really seem to be cooking with that, without Zach Wilson in the lineup. Mr. American, do you think that the Jets are better off not going back to Zach Wilson the rest of this season? Uh, that's a loaded question. Um, I, I think that they have the piece. I think we lost. I think we lost Mr. American. You hear me? I hear you now. All right, perfect. Um, I, I don't know if we can exactly trust Zach Wilson. I don't know if we can exactly trust really any QB in that in that situation right now. Um, I, I do know that we can trust Michael Carter Williams um, at the. I mean Michael Carter uh, at this point, <laughs> not Michael Carter Williams. If you Michael can. Carter Williams <laughs> with the Philadelphia rookie bust. Um, but no, I I, I don't. I don't think we can trust any quarterback in that position. Um, the coaching seems to be kind of putting QBs in, in tough situations there. Uh, and ultimately, uh, I did. <laughs> Lost you again. I have to, I have to leave my phone on. Like I have to, if it, if it turns off or uh, goes black, that's when you lose me. (laughs) That is unfortunate. Well, we lost the jets analysis, which is okay. If we were going to lose any analysis, let's let's have it be the jets. Elijah Moore did is really starting to break out. However, he does is seven for 84 and two touchdowns. Uh, Do you like Elijah Moore, the rookie for the jets? Yeah, I think he's going to overcome that. Robert, uh, that that number one spot. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Jamison Crowder. Obviously, he's in contention there. Uh, he's been injured. He's been kind of battling in, in and out on the on the year. Hasn't really uh, been in too many games. But uh, I do look at Moore as a candidate that's going to his stock will be rising, and I do think he's going to get more involved in that offense. It looks like target share, volume, it, it's all there, and it's continuing to increase. So I, I don't have any. Uh, any hesitation on you know starting him in a league right now, uh, especially at a flex spot? I think he's a solid flex option, um, or even week to week in, in different matchups. If we're talking about you know on a DFS scale, I think he's a viable you know somebody to stream. Yeah, he's one of those players that's really tough because you you drafted him, you know, rookie hoping for a breakout and he starts out slow and he's one of those guys you drop and then you just see him someone else pick him up and he starts doing this kind of stuff. And it it hurts a little bit inside, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's going to that's going to come though with this Jets offense. You know, it's one of those things that unfortunately it's kind of the game that you're playing uh, if you are, you know, starting these guys in the league. Or if you're going to be, you know, playing them in a DFS uh, type of scale, either it, it's it's not going to be consistent. Um, 
and, and but that's that's part of you know playing a team that's uh that's hurting and that's one in i think one in eight at this point so it, you know that's it, it's kind of the that's the risk that you take uh there's there's going to be upside but overall there's not heavy floor in any of these players uh, I absolutely agree with that analysis. For the Colts, however, uh, several players are really starting to heat up here. Jonathan Taylor is absolutely a bona fide stud, 172-2. and two. He's not the one I want to talk about, though, because we start to expect it from Jonathan Taylor. We projected he'd be a top-five running back, and he's proving it. Who I want to talk about, and I mentioned him as – as a mid-season MVP just two weeks ago, Carson Wentz, 272 and three touchdowns. This guy is playing outstanding. This is his sixth consecutive game with multiple touchdowns. Despite that ugly interception last week, let's put that behind us. Carson Wentz is looking like he could have franchise potential for the Colts. Yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. Uh, he's, uh, I don't know what, what, the fact was the other day I came across, but it, there's no doubt about his his interceptions. I think are there's either four or five on the year. I mean, he's made huge adjustments from you know what happened over in Philadelphia last year. He's protecting the ball. He's he's staying in the pocket more. Uh, he's not taking those shots that he was you know gambling on last year, and he's he's not really getting too mobile. He's keeping it simple. I, I you know ultimately he's definitely a. Uh, a star quarterback at this point, uh, especially in really any league. I, I think I, I'm in a 12 man league myself, but in a 10 man league, he's definitely startable. And he's even in an eight man league. Um, he's starting to really creep up there. And like I said, uh, for DFS, you know, either on FanDuel or DraftKings, his price is still relatively low. I, I mean, it, this is going to be a, a spot that I think a lot of people are going to finally start catching on to a lot of people, including myself, were a little speculative uh, and rightfully so. I mean, the first couple of weeks yeah. was, was a little bit of a, a little bit of a wash and there was some concern, but it looks like, you know, he's found his target and Pittman, they've got good chemistry and that's what he does. Uh, you know, if, if you saw what he used to do with uh, Wentz and, and, and Ertz over in Philadelphia, he, he kind of locks into one receiver or, you know, one tight end or whoever it is that it's his liking and he, he'll stick with them. Uh, and there's a, there's a sense of loyalty and a sense of target share that, that, that comes with that. So I, I definitely like uh, the Carson Wentz play and I, I think that he'll continue to perform. Absolutely. I, I love all those Colts players. Pittman, 65 and a touchdown. Uh, he, he's definitely, like you said, the trust with Carson Wentz. As that continues to grow even farther, that's going to be a great connection for years to come. Uh, Minnesota falls to Baltimore, 34 to 31. Not terribly too much to talk about from Minnesota. Dalvin Cook does get 110 yards, doesn't find the end zone. Justin Jefferson does, just 69 on three catches. Uh, and, and then the real stinker, Adam Thielen, goes two catches for six yards. Uh, it is so tough to project Minnesota's offense going forward. Aside from Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson up and down, Adam Thielen up and down. Uh, do you really trust any of these players aside from Dalvin cook uh, as every week start or are they, are they starting to become matchup dependent? Um, 
to be honest, I, I like – I really like this Minnesota offense. I, I like all the components to it. I mean, Kirk Cousins has continued to prove year after year after year that he's going to stay um, – you know, sub mediocre, if not creeping into, you know, a little bit even above that. He's about as 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 safe of a quarterback as you can go with nowadays in in, for, in fantasy league formats or in DFS. Uh, I streamed Thielen last week, and and I, I think rightfully so. I mean, let's if we look at the numbers and and we look at the correlation between the last few weeks. I mean, he has been truly actually the the wide receiver one, and, and Jefferson has been getting, you know, target share and whatnot. They just, the connection hasn't been there. So I was running the, you know, to, to run it until the wheels fall off. And obviously this week it did, he did kind of get by on that touchdown at the end of the, you know, the fourth quarter with a few seconds left to go into OT. I watched that game. Um, I'm not too concerned with it though. I'm, I'm willing to continue to go back to Thielen in, in DFS formats or even in, uh, at my league, I'm going to continue to start him because what's happening I've noticed is, you know, Justin Jefferson is is taking that that cornerback or, or or safety matchup. He's taking the you know the toughest um, you know uh, matchup per game. They're putting their best defensive player on him, and therefore it's opening doors for Thielen. And um, you know, I'm willing to continue to to pursue that. Um, you know, luckily Jefferson kind of finally got back into the mix of things, which is good. I'm I'm happy. I you know I like him as a player, not only as a as a a, a fantasy player, but I just like his gameplay. So. And um, Dalvin Cook is going to keep getting healthier. Uh, you know, he had a lot of owners right now were, you know, a little questioning, uh, you know, his his healthiness and what he could provide. But I'm not worried about it. I think he had about 18 touches and he had a few targets last, you know, when I looked uh, at some of the numbers. So he's right around that volume to what we expect and, you know, what we, you know, should be, you know, what we paid for on, on draft day. So I, I'm not too worried about it. This team is going to put up points and they're, in a lot of overtime games they're in a lot of fourth quarter shootouts i mean this is what you want this is a fantasy um owner or df a dfs player's dream is a team like minnesota who's competitive who's kind of always in it and is always gonna gonna be putting up points consistently week after week they do really seem to lose a lot of games on a last second field goal. I feel like it's every single week Minnesota's losing on a last second field goal. It's really unfortunate. Um, Adam Thielen just feels really touchdown dependent to me, but he is a two touchdown game waiting to happen. Any single week it could happen. But also when he doesn't find the end zone, he's tough. And with, with Conklin, the conk uh, yeah. over there uh, stealing <laughs> targets from him, uh, it's hard for me to trust Thielen. But I, I do understand what you're saying. For Baltimore, Lamar Jackson, 266 and three touchdowns. Does throw the two picks but makes up for it with 120 yards on the ground. Uh, I mean, Lamar Jackson, in my opinion, Lamar Jackson has taken over Patrick Mahomes as the clear uh fantasy number one pick it should have been lamar jackson uh he's incredible yeah absolutely uh i i can't argue that i mean it's uh he's proven that in in any type of game where it's close um i was kind of reviewing some statistics and anytime this game is close or anytime they're playing from behind his upside just goes through the roof uh, especially with his legs he's just um it's somebody to target uh, especially in, in, in DF, DFS kind of rosters, as well as something to keep in mind if he's, you know, uh, on your fantasy team, that when there's matchups that are not supposed to be blowouts. And, and oftentimes these, these Ravens these Ravens games, uh, from a line perspective, are 
projected to be pretty close. Um, they haven't been favored too heavily in a lot of matchups. So he's in great game scripts for the game to be close and competitive. And when that does happen, he's just going to be mobile and he's going to create, you know, rushing yards uh, like, like a, like a lottery machine. I mean, he's just, um, yeah. it, it's just insane. And and he's not obviously afraid to, to throw the ball. And, and obviously we, we know about Bateman who's, you know, his, his wide receiver, I get we would consider his, at the two spot now, and he's starting to really come up and these, uh, obviously willing to take shots with, with Marquise Brown, you know, regardless if Marquise is going to catch him. <laughs> uh, so, um, and, and he's still got Andrews there at tight end. So, I mean, the sky's the limit for this guy. Uh, I, it wouldn't surprise me if he's, you know, obviously he's obviously in the MVP conversation right now on the year. I, it, I just don't know how, how that will shape out, but I really like the Ravens offense. Um, it can be a little hit or miss too, but ultimately Lamar is not. I mean, he's a he's a week in and out, uh, a pretty consistent floor, and also has probably the highest upside than just about any other quarterback at this point. Totally in agreement. I mean, it kind of goes hand in hand with the emergence of Hollywood Brown. You mentioned he does have, you know, he gets the dropsies here and there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he does get the dropsies, but he, nine for 116 this week. You mentioned Bateman chipping in with the 10 targets. I mean, rookie first round pick coming off the injury, and he's really right into the thick of things right off the injured reserve. Uh, I like Rashard Bateman a whole lot going forward. I like Hollywood Brown, too. Um <laughs> he just continues to produce. He's another guy who was in that pre uh, that uh, midseason MVP talk because where he was drafted and he's performing right now as a top five wide receiver. Hollywood Browns, he's been really incredible. Uh, I <laughs> so, something I want to ask you though, the, the running back situation for Baltimore right now, Devontae Freeman and Le'Veon Bell. Uh, 79 yards for Freeman, 48 and a touchdown for Le'Veon Bell. This is like father time right now. Is it 2015? Uh, both of these guys looked really good this week. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, <sighs> Le'Veon Bell and Devontae Freeman, if we'd be, you know, talking about this a few years ago on the same team, um, <laughs> this would be a yeah. crazy two-headed monster. Uh, however, you know, this is four or five years after that time, but they're still getting – the volume I'm looking at it now. I mean, Devonte had 13 carries for 79 yards. I mean, that's oh, a little over six, six, six yards average a carry. Um, and he's also getting some target share. I think he it says, you know, two, two receptions for, you know, a modest four yards, but in a PPR format, um, he got a touchdown on one of them. Uh, so, I mean, you're looking at 15 touches, uh, for Devontae Freeman on a on a prolific offense, you know, you can count me in on. Uh, I like him a little bit better than Le'Veon, but Le'Veon's definitely in the mix there. I mean, it's not somebody that um, I would be afraid to stream if, you know, if I was in kind of a, a tough spot in my league or, you know, in a, uh, you know, a tough spot with, with remaining salary on a, you know, on a FanDuel or uh, a DraftKings lineup. Uh, but I, I, I'm starting to really like Devontae here. Um, he's he's getting goal line carries. And ultimately, you know, this is a run first offense. You know, as much as as much as there are the receiving core is starting to really uh, come alive. And, and, you know, I do like Hollywood Brown. I'm looking now. He's got he had nine for 116. I mean, they're not they're not afraid to throw the ball uh, and they're starting to 
you know, obviously look towards that a little bit more, especially in some of these heavier game scripts, you know, a 31-34 final. But ultimately, they are a smash spot team. They like to run the ball either with design plays with Lamar, or if not, they're going to pound it with, you know, Devontae and Le'Veon, which, you know, is weird because, you know, if you – Months ago, we would have never thought this was the case, you know, with a, you know, with a Gus Edwards as well as a, um, who's on the IR now, but I, I can't believe I can't think of the, the original uh, one spot um, that also tore his ACL right there in preseason, but they made it work. And that shows that offenses like this that can make it work like that are, you know, they're, that's a safe play. If you can throw Devontae Freeman or Le'Veon Bell, who's, you know, 30 years old, into a mix and they can still grab 17, 18 fantasy points on a given Sunday, then that means that you want to keep rolling with that type of team. Isn't it crazy to think of 30 as old? <laughs> <laughs> at running back, at running That's back crazy. it is. That's crazy. That, that well, I got a 36-year-old Adrian Peterson on my bench right now, so maybe I shouldn't be joking about 30. <laughs> yeah, there you go, brother. <laughs> uh the Patriots 24, Carolina 6. Uh, Sam Darnold, he's terrible. Um, I was just telling uh, – uh, this this podcast really pertains to, to my Dynasty League. And, um, I mean, you have backups rostered in a Dynasty League, and I'm, I'm going to drop Sam Darnold. I can't take it anymore. It's, it's killing me. <laughs> negative four points. Negative four points this week. Well, Ooh. news just broke that he's going to be out for the next seven to eight weeks. So thank God. So now thank you God. can comfortably sit there and feel like you can drop him. Uh, I think at this point, what seven to eight weeks in a fantasy league kind of puts us out, you know, to where we. I wouldn't want to play him in a playoff game, anyways. If you're <laughs> if you're in that nope. fantasy position, however, uh, it's something to consider. It looks like PJ Walker is going to be coming in there. Um, I don't know if it's somebody I'll be targeting. I'm in a 12 man league myself. Uh, and it's a super flex quarterback league. So, you know, quarterbacks are sparse this time of year. Uh, <laughs> and I got to get in where I fit in. But I don't know if uh, I'll be going in all in on P.J. Walker. But I do think it's viable. I mean, Christian McCaffrey's back. So really, you know, you, you, you can almost feel comfortable about any decent quarterback back there when you have a PPR monster like him who can just – you know, take that in the house from the five-yard line, the 10-yard line, a little drop screen pass. I mean, with a healthy Christian McCaffrey, it really makes almost any quarterback viable. So I'm not afraid of, you know, P.J. Walker if I had to or if anybody else is contemplating that news that just broke that, you know, Darnold is officially out pretty much for the remainder of the season since it doesn't look like they're going to make the playoffs. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, And, yeah, I mean, Patriots are just proving, you know, ultimately that, you know, they're going to keep doing what they do best, which is run the ball and keep games close. And and they're just running balls, you know, down people's throat. And, you know, this was 24 to six. Um, that that running back core, man, is just it's just so hard to predict. There's just crazy timeshares. That's how Belichick's always been. Um, oh, yeah. But I really don't I really don't trust this Panthers team at this point. It really is a shame because, you know, I don't know if anybody out there has DJ Moore. Uh, but that looked like it was just going to be, a, you know, a, a, he was just going to really take off. And I think we were all ready to see it. And, and now with this quarterback switch and everything else going on, you know, I think that's going to flop. And I think his his value and his price ticket is is slowly dwindling down. And really, there's nobody on that team that's really viable at this point to stream or, or really to hang on to other than, you know, uh, C-Mac. So. 
Yeah, Christian McCaffrey came back to 106 total yards. Um, Solid game for him. But um, uh, first of all, thank you for breaking that news about Sam Darnold. You just broke that right here on the podcast. I didn't even know that. Yeah, that's pretty. It just hit a couple, uh, maybe about 15, 20 minutes ago. I got an alert, so it's definitely big news. Anytime a starting quarterback goes down. I shouldn't be this relieved. Um, this is a this is a twelve team dynasty with twenty one man rosters. So we're talking about a real thin waiver wire. Uh, so okay, so Ramondre Stevenson, you mentioned the Pats running backs goes for a hundred and six total yards. Unfortunately, him and uh, Damian Harris both went out with head injuries. Uh, it is so hard to predict. Like you said about the Patriots running backs, I mean, Ramondre Stevenson had 106 total yards and he was inactive two weeks ago. So you, you have no idea. It's really hard to predict. Bill Belichick is a, he's an evil genius. I can't, I can't take him anymore. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, the, the Patriots are getting it done. They're right there in the thick of uh, in the thick of things in the wild card. So uh, you know, plenty of season to go. We'll see how it goes. Cleveland forty-one, Cincinnati sixteen. Uh, Cincinnati was a bunch of duds across the board, except for Joe Mixon, who does get in the end zone twice. Um, uh, Rashard Higgins can out target Jamar Chase. I don't know if you knew this, but Rashard Higgins averages more targets per game than Jamar Chase. Um, with Higgins on the field, does this hurt Chase's potential? I mean, I think I think slightly. Uh, I've been saying it now week after week. You know, I, I love T. Higgins. I, I, I've loved him since last year. There was chemistry and rapport already with um, with, uh, with, with the quarterback. Um, and ultimately, his 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 target share is, is insane. Um, Boyd is pretty much out of it. I, I have Boyd on my bench. I really haven't played him much other than in, in die you know really diehard situations. I really don't like to. I'd like to play Higgins if I had him, but I I I don't know if we can truly say Jamar Chase is the number one on this team. Obviously, you know, statistically speaking, most people would say yes. Uh, just because of not only the fantasy point consumption and just, you know, the amount of yards and catches he has and the touchdowns that he's had. Um, But it's pretty safe to say that the long ball goes to chase, but the blanket, the actual true blanket is Higgins. And Higgins is still seeing red zone targets. If you're following some of these game scripts and watching games, they're still not afraid to throw it, you know, throw to him when it's, you know, inside the 10, inside the 15. Um, They like to go to him. Uh, and, and Jamar is really the, you know, the 40, 50, the 60, the down man shot, which obviously, you know, it, it comes with the, the huge upside, the huge games and, you know, the potential, it's kind of like the Tyreek, you know, Hill kind of version. Um, but I, I don't know if we can just say that T Higgins is, 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 is not viable on this team or isn't in contention with that, that one spot on the, the wide receiver list there. I, I, I'm not going to say that he's not, and that, that I'm not going to make that debate, but I will make that debate that. Um, that he's he's very good and that he does still have chemistry with Joe Burrow in that um, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, in the next couple of weeks you start seeing him have fantasy points uh, that are higher than Chase in some situations, especially if the Bengals start really failing to get the ball in the end zone there um, or start making some of those big plays uh, that really that Jamar really capitalizes on. I, I really like Higgins. I, I, I don't want to come off of him, so... 
Yeah, I agree with you. I thought Higgins, before the season started, I thought Higgins was uh, a clearly the number one. Uh, Jamar Chase came was he came into this week averaging 21.2 yards per reception. So like you said, he is definitely the deep threat, and he seems to catch long touchdowns. But when he doesn't, uh, Higgins definitely outpaces him in terms of fantasy points. For Cleveland, Nick Chubb, 137 and two touchdowns. Unfortunate news on him. He tested positive for COVID-19 today so that hurts me specifically um but for the wide receivers uh i mean donovan people's jones looks like he might be the 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 number one target for cleveland maybe jarvis landry did dominate the targets but we know jarvis landry's not too much of a down the field guy who do you see having the most fantasy points rest of season in terms of the browns wide receivers i mean Everything pointed to Jarvis Landry having a decent game. Uh, I, I just, uh, I think everybody was a little, you know, baffled by his three receptions this week. He had a very modest week. I, I mean, this was the week for him to shine. OBJ out officially, uh, he becomes that wide receiver one, which I think he already was at that point, uh, just because of all the injuries and everything going on with OBJ. Um, to be honest, I, you know. I don't think OBJ really affects this team too, too much, unfortunately. If it does affect anybody, it's definitely going to be Donovan Peoples-Jones. And I watched the touchdown, and I, I was sitting there thinking, you know, OBJ, if he was watching this, he was probably fuming because, you know, all that chatter of uh, whatever it was, the labrium or, you know, the shoulder injury that he, you know, that Baker has, he can't throw downfield. But he threw a 60-yard bomb pretty nice you know, a couple steps ahead yeah. of even Donovan Peoples-Jones. So, I mean, he can throw the long ball. I'm sure it's probably not comfortable for him or it's not going to happen a lot. I don't expect it to. Um, this is another run-first team. I, I think Donovan Peoples-Jones is, is streamable in, in different formats, especially, you know, um, it, it would probably be matchup dependent because this team still is a run-first team. I mean, they do drop points and put points on the board. Um, but the Bengals, the Bengals secondary in their defense, the backfield is really not that good. So it doesn't surprise me that there were some big plays and some catches to be made. But ultimately, I mean, Nick Chubb was the star of the show. Um, there is news, yeah, that you, you broke about the COVID. However, I did notice that he is vaccinated and NFL protocol does have it stated that there is actually a better chance. Not, not a certain chance that he'll play or not play, but it does increase the chances that he could potentially play depending on what the protocol is in testing. So that's definitely something to keep in mind for Nick Chubb owners or even for yourself that I wouldn't 100% count him out. Um, and that being said, I mean, it's time to buy in on Dearness Johnson because I also saw Demetric Felton, who is the – the, the wide receiver, but has, you know, uh, jet sweep roles and running back roles um, here and there, who also kind of vultures. Um, he also has COVID-19. So it, it really could be the Dearness Johnson show. Unfortunately, I, I picked him up the week that him and uh, Chubb and Kareem was out. He dropped the 24 nugget piece. And uh, <laughs> I, uh, I dropped him the next week just because Chubb was back. And, I, I you know, I just didn't think he was viable, even though, I mean, Kareem wasn't back yet, so it, it was kind of foolish. He had a good week this week. Um, I think he had, you know, a, 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 or maybe he didn't have a great week this week, uh, but the prior week he still did pretty decent. But anyways, the point being said is if you can get in on Dearness Johnson this week, buy in and, and get him quick because I think he's going to have a big week. 
Yeah, any Cleveland running back seems to do so. Um, Broncos 30, Cowboys 16. Uh, the Broncos running backs are, are good. They are both really good. Javante Williams, 111 yards. Uh, Gordon goes for 80 and a touchdown. Uh, are, I think both of these guys are playable every week. Uh, are you in agreement there? Yeah, no, there's no doubt that they're they're definitely playable. Um, it's just so tough. I mean, I, ultimately, if, if they're going to keep producing what they have been, I mean, their floors it for for people basically splitting fifty fifty. It's insane the kind of floor that both of them have. I mean, normally you don't see this week in week out when you see timeshares like this, but they make it work. Um, I think Javante is starting to creep in and slowly win that backfield. I think we can all feel it kind of in our in our bones. And then MG, I mean, Melvin Gordon, he's still got so much left in the tank. I, I mean, he, yeah. a couple of years ago, I mean, we watched this man dropping 30 pieces over sometimes even 40 pieces for the Chargers. I mean, th- this is a this is an MVP type running back that really just kind of gotten a, a crappy position over at the Broncos. So um I think both of them are viable. I, I lean towards Javante a little bit, but honestly, I mean, it's it's. I, I would feel comfortable streaming Melvin Gordon if I had him right now. I mean, I think the big picture or the big uh, the big thing to talk about was Tim Patrick. I watched this game, um, and he really emerged this week. Uh, you know, over you know Sutton over you know, JJ Jer, uh, Jerry Judy. I mean, he just had some big plays and big catches. I mean. Some really grown man stuff. I watched him go up and just grab that ball a couple times um, over a, over a pretty good Cowboys secondary. I mean, they just made you know Dallas look stupid at home, uh, and it's weird because you you know a lot of us were sitting here wondering what the Broncos were going to do, and I guess they're green light. I mean, they're ready to continue to cont- you know contend, and you know you thought after the Von Miller trade that they were kind of kind of just slowly you know, let the season go, but they're ready to, con- you know, continue to push. So I'm, I'm happy with that. I mean, that's what we like here in fantasy is knowing facts and, and, and correlating with what, what we can play. And I think you can continue to play, you know, Denver Broncos because they're, they're willing to prove that they're going to continue to compete and continue to put up numbers. And that's what we like. We like to know what game scripts are going to play out. Yeah, yeah, maybe trading Von Miller helped the offense, you know, give up more points, score more points. Didn't really need to score too many points this week because for all intents and purposes, they shut out the Dallas Cowboys. They did score 16 points all in garbage time. Dak Prescott saved his day, but overall, very bad day for the Cowboys. Amari Cooper, 2 for 27. CeeDee Lamb, 2 for 23. Uh, I mean, it was really just – do you just ball this one up and throw it away for Dallas? Yeah, for- absolutely. I, I watched the game, and I'm I'm not the, the, the typical person to put it all on one person, but, I mean, Dak just looked bad. If you looked at some of those passes, he had CeeDee Lamb wide open a couple times. He had Amari, you know, open a few times. I, I, he just uh, – he didn't connect. He was he, – he just was off. Um, there were some drop passes and some other stuff that threw, you know, threw into the game script. But I really watched this game a lot and a good chunk of it at least. And I saw some open um, – just some plays that were just uncharacteristic. Dak just played, you know, horrible. I wouldn't, uh, you know, attest too much with it. I mean, I still – how can you not love C.D. Lamb? How can you not love Amari Cooper on this offense? Um, I think the big takeaway was, unfortunately, was Zeke. I, I, I'm, I'm all in on Zeke. I'm, I'm trying to trade for him. I'm trying to get yeah. him. I'm trying to put him in lineups. Uh, his rest of season schedule is looking very scrumptious. 
so I, I mean, I just um, they didn't go to them. They obviously were down very quickly, a couple scores. It was like sixteen nothing. So the run game just wasn't there. They had to start passing. Um, I'm surprised they didn't lean on him on some PPR, you know, uh, on some screen passes or, or, or different plays there in the backfield because that's where he really likes to maneuver and get going. They just, I guess they just pretty much really wanted to take shots at that point being down a couple scores at home, and I don't blame them. But I would just chalk it up as a loss. Their rest of season schedule for all of these Cowboys is looking good. It's really tasty. I, I just um, – I, I, I still love everybody on this team as much as I hate the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, some guy named Malik Turner scores scored both the touchdowns for the Cowboys. I don't even know who that is. So in the, in the final five minutes, it was like four that, minutes and forty three seconds. This man almost dropped the twenty piece. That does not help a single person because I'm I've never heard of the guy, which is crazy because I, I listen to a lot of football and I watch a lot of football and college football and I don't know who he is. So that was awful. Okay. <laughs> Texans 9, Miami 17. We're going to skip right over that shit because <laughs> that's horrible. Uh, all right. Bills 6, Jaguars 9. Yeah. This is not a uh, good game. This game killed me. Yeah. Josh Allen. Uh, I have a motto, a, a moniker I give to Josh Allen. I say he's handsome and good at football. Um, this week, he was still handsome, just didn't play, just didn't play very well. Yeah, the joke around the uh, around everything uh, is that Josh Allen screwed over Josh Allen. <laughs> yeah, Josh Allen dominated that football game. I mean, obviously, I watched the entire thing. Josh Allen was dominant, and it just wasn't the Josh Allen we all expected. Yeah, um, I, I, I want the same, very similar to the to the Prescott and the Cowboys conversation. I mean. This one at least was at Jacksonville. At least the Bills were, you know, were, were on the road. Um, even though they were fourteen or fifteen point favorites, I'm not, I'm not giving, you know, cutting them any slack. But, um, Dallas was at least at home. Um, I mean, there were splashes of this Jaguars team, at least defensively, um, that are still very good. Uh, I, I, I'm they're 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 not the Jaguars team that they were obviously a couple years ago. Um, but there's there's still a a good defense here and there, especially um, particularly with the, the rush defense. Uh, their their secondary is a little weak, and they definitely give up a lot of points, I think, more than anybody else. But, you know, in terms of the box, in terms of the line, they do pretty well, um, which is surprising because, you know, Josh Allen throws more than anybody else, and Buffalo loves to throw, and they don't give a crap if they're up by a bunch of points or not. They'll still throw the ball down your throat, which is kind of amazing why they, they weren't able to get it done. Uh, but I guess they just brought pressure inside. I, I didn't watch this game. Uh, I streamed Josh Allen, so it was very disappointing. But I wouldn't chalk too much up on it. Um, I'll tell you what is starting to really ruffle my feathers is, is the Stephon Diggs. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's really killing a lot of teams right now. Thank God I don't have any, you know, any stock in him, and I haven't even streamed him in, in, in anything on on a DFS uh, level. I've pretty much stayed away from him, and I know one week he's eventually going to kill it, and he's going to kill me, or he'll he'll put up numbers, you know, on a league for you. But honestly, at, at his draft capita, his ADP, I mean, I'm I'm seeing it just. Um, it's going down the drain week by week. Uh, that draft pick that that people took him sometimes even in the first round. Um, and I'll tell you what, I Cole Beasley, <laughs> CB, a Mister Mister Consistent, um, yeah. is really starting to be the 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 best option to go running. You know, wide receiver wise, it was looking like Emmanuel Sanders, but 
if you if you're if you have a if you're a Cole Beasley owner right now, you're feeling pretty good because you can comfortably stream him each week, knowing that you're going to get, you know, a, a pretty decent outing. Well, um, some one thing about Cole Beasley though, uh, something to keep in mind, pay attention to is once Dawson Knox went out, Cole Beasley's usage went up. Um, he kind of really once Dawson Knox broke out earlier this season, we kind of saw some really down weeks for Cole Beasley. So I'll be interested to see once Knox comes back if Beasley continues to see those kind of targets, or you know if if Knox is going to chew into that. Um, you mentioned Stephon Diggs; uh, he's my favorite player in the NFL if you didn't know this full disclosure he's my favorite player that's why he's my namesake um it's it's really just overall disappointing for me not not only yes he is also on my fantasy team um but just just being a fan of his I don't know the when they throw him the ball he catches it uh, just they need to throw him the ball more, maybe. I'm not sure. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna move right down to the Packers seven, Chiefs 13, because they kind of go hand in hand with something I want to talk about with the Bills. Uh Patrick Mahomes 166 and a touchdown. That is not what we expect from Patrick Mahomes. It's not what we expect from him all season, really. Uh, I just I want to kind of get your thoughts on what you think is Not really sure what happened there. That was weird. Yeah, no, I lost you for a quick second, but I I heard you going on to Patrick Mahomes in, in the Packers game and kind of him, you know, following off still. Right. Um. So so it's not really what we what we've come to expect from Patrick Mahomes, especially. I mean, he was drafted number one overall in my dynasty. Uh. So he, it's been really disappointing. I, it kind of goes hand in hand with what we're seeing from the Bills as of late too. What do you think is really going on here with the Chiefs? Uh, just not what we've come to expect. Thirteen points this week. Uh, what is going on with Kansas City? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I do have some inklings. I am I am a Patrick Mahomes owner. I am a first pick <laughs> Patrick Mahomes owner. So uh, this isn't a good spot for me. It's something I've been, you know, looking into. I've been, you know, researching and whatnot. I've been watching the games. I mean, he is ultimately, um, obviously, I don't want to blame one player on a fantasy league uh, team to, you know, hurt you. But he. I have lost some games down to a point or two the last couple of weeks and uh, spots that I really need him. Uh, maybe not even to drop his 25, 26. I mean, just 18, 19, which is like, you know, is, is asking for, for peanuts for Patrick Mahomes, especially um, at the draft capita that we, you know, we have in him. Um, I, I think what's happening is ultimately half of the, half of the battle is this. If you watch some of these games, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is throwing balls to his receivers and they're just bouncing off helmets. I watched off of Jarek McKinnon the other day. Tyreek has had balls out of his hands and they just somehow seemingly pop into the defense's hands. I mean, half of these interceptions and, and some of these problems, I, I don't put on Patrick Mahomes. Um, so, so that's part of the issue. And, and, and that's not going to keep happening, hopefully. Um, but I do see that defenses have been playing Patrick Mahomes differently. Um, yeah. They are playing the backfield deeper. They are shutting down Tyreek a little bit more. They're really forcing this team to, into a, almost into a Patriots scheme of short passes, slants, letting you, you know, take chunks. Um, but they're not giving up the deep ball. They're not allowing this team to get in, um, you know, 20, 25 plus yards. I mean, even, even Kelsey, uh, tr you know, Travis Kelsey has been limited 
um, even inside his normal 15 to 20 yard routes. So teams are starting to really figure out how to, you know, defend this team and make them really work for the touchdowns, which I don't think Patrick Mahomes and the squad have been, you know, seemingly had to, you know, worry about the last couple of years. They've been able to, you know, do what they want with defenses and they've been pretty much able to, you know, dominate in whatever fashion or way they want. And I think there's going to have to be some major changes if, if we want to see success. A- am I worried? Absolutely. I'm worried right now as a Patrick Mahomes fan. Uh, I mean, uh, owner right now and as a fan. Um, but I'm also not ready to just jump off, you know, the deep end and, and trade him or sell him or whatnot. I mean, this is still a Kansas City offense. Um you know, CEH is going to be coming back soon. I, I know they're doing lots of different weird things in, in the backfield with uh, with this new character, Gore, who just came out of the woodwork. And uh, they got, you know, Williams back there. I, I do think that um, this this team does shape up. Uh, you know, unfortunately, though, they have a rough schedule. If you look at the rest of season, uh, they don't play a team that's under 500. So I, I'm concerned right now. Um but I think if you have Kelsey, if you have Tyreek, if you have Mahomes, I mean, you, you have to play them. You know, we're not going to sit here and, and really have that conversation to, to sit Patrick Mahomes just yet. <laughs> um, no, uh, I no. do think it's it's on the potentially on the horizon, depending on what happens. But I, I mean, I'm, you're going to have to continue to stream him, especially if you picked him, uh, you know, as a as a as a first round pick, which many of us did in the super flex league. Um, I, I do think this offense does get back on track, though. Yeah, uh, adept analysis because that is exactly what it is. Uh, teams are playing this cover two shell. They're making them throw short passes, whereas they used to, you know, throw the ball twice and and find the end zone. Now they're having to throw it eight, nine, ten times, and what that does is lead to more mistakes, more, uh, you know. More more chances for mental errors. Uh, it's costing the Chiefs. And I tell you what, last week I was I was only mildly concerned. I I thought you know the Chiefs. It's the Chiefs. They're going to turn it around. The sirens are going off in my head right now. I am panicking if, if I'm an owner of a Chiefs player. Uh, this is this is not. This is not good. This is not what you drafted these guys for. And it is getting pretty late in the season to keep crossing our fingers. It's going to change. I am very worried about the Chiefs as of as of this week. Yeah. <sighs> the no Raiders. Raiders 16. Giants 23. Uh, for the Raiders, Derek Carr, 296, touchdown, two interceptions. It was good to see Darren Waller finally get back on track, seven for 92. Uh, with the Henry Ruggs situation being what it is, Deshaun Jackson is coming in, but do you think it, this is a, a Darren Waller and then everybody else situation for the Raiders like it has been in the past? I don't think so. I mean, I, I think the Deshaun Jackson – play is exactly what it is um we we know what he's capable of doing and we know what teams like to do with him and that is to take shots uh he's he's not going to be a wide receiver i think that's going to be getting in there and and putting you know even 50 60 percent snap share um it wouldn't surprise me if he if he starts coming in there and getting you know gets 25 30 35 but i I think that would be his cap um i think they they want to you know put emphasis on on Edwards you know the young the young player and maybe even Jones the wide receiver three now 
Um, I mean, Renfro obviously is, is going to be viable each week now. I think, you know, last week proved that if anybody is going to get the, you know, the share count from the, the rug situation that it is Renfro. Um, but this team does like a deep ball threat. I mean, they love Nelson Aguilar last year. If you remember, you know, he started to really take off and have some big games. Um, Ruggs was that player for them. So you could make an argument that he's going to come in there and, and, and kind of take that role, which is most likely what he's going to do. Like I said, it correlates with the fact that we know that teams like to do that with Deshaun Jackson in general. I mean, that's what he did for the Rams uh, a few weeks ago was taking shots and, um, that's what he did for the Eagles a year ago when he only played whatever one game of the season and had, you know, three touchdowns or two touchdowns for 200 yards in the first game. And I mean, that's what that's what he brings to the table. Um, Waller looks like he got back on track. I still think he's not overrated as a player, but overrated in a fantasy spectrum. Um, you know, he did have that whatever 17 targets a few weeks ago, but uh, that that's going to happen every now and then with him. But overall, um, I, I think, you know, there's other, there's other tight ends that I would like to go to. I really like Renfro. Josh Jacobs looks like he's back on track and churning. He looked like he had about, I don't know, 15 or 16 touches, you know, 13 carries and then a handful of, of catches himself. He might be, you know, benefiting from that rug situation as well. Um, so that that's where you know where I am with this this Raiders team. It's not a team that I like, but it's not a team I'm discouraged or that I won't go to in situations either. Yeah, uh, depth analysis again. I I like what you're saying. Uh, um, Deshaun Jackson, if he can if he can just play the rugs role, I mean you could you could play him if you needed to. Uh, he's not somebody you're going to put into your lineup, but if you needed to play him, uh, he's worth a shot here and there. Uh, for the Giants, really nothing to talk about here at all. Devontae Booker, 99 yards. Um, Got to like that for when Saquon comes back, I guess, at least. Yeah, absolutely. I, I wasn't big on Devontae Booker, but he has proven me wrong week by week. Um, I mean, he's just uh, – he's pretty much playing every snap. Uh, he's 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 an imitation of – you know, he's basically a, a poor man's, you know, Barkley at this point. Um, and – this team is just so beaten up week after week. It's it's a shame because honestly, I would just like to see the starters there. I have I have Sterling Shepard on my bench right now. I, I love him. He's he's been out the last couple of weeks. If he could just stay healthy, I mean, Galladay's had a rough year. I, I mean, um, Ingram was you know kind of weird the first few weeks. It's just so many ups and downs. You know, Tooney's been out, um, but this this team is viable. It's just a matter of really dissecting and picking who you want to play because there's there's plays on this on this New York team. Yeah. I mean Daniel Jones um is a he's a pretty decent quarterback. As much as you know some of us don't want to sit here and acknowledge it, um you know stats are stats and the reality is is that this man not only can throw but he he's got legs. <laughs> I mean he's not afraid yeah. to run the ball. He's got upside, you know, rushing upside. Um is it somebody I'm huge on? No, but it's somebody I have to respect. Um, in, in all formats, you know, whether it's standard or PPR. Um, and, you know, there are gems here depending on the week uh, of who to play, and that's really dependent upon who's out. I really love Sterling Shepard. I'm going to stick with him um, despite, you know, some of the, the injuries and everything going on. I, I love him. He's a PPR machine. He's a play each week in and out. I, I love his floor when he is healthy. Um, and I, I do think – 
Um, Evan Ingram is a major play right now, especially while there's, you know, there's a bunch of injuries going on. He looks like he's really starting to settle in for, you know, 10 to 10 to 13 point weeks, which is, you know, just about what you could ask for, you know, for a tight end at this, at this point of the season. So, uh, I'm waiting for, um, for Barkley to come back. He's looking like, you know, they have a bye week this week. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he is probably a full go the following week. Full disclosure, is Saquon Barkley good? Yeah. Yeah, I, I believe Saquon's good. I, I'm a little biased uh, because uh, he's, a, he's, a Lehigh, he's a Lehigh Valley boy. Uh, so yeah. I, I, I'm a little biased to that. But, no, I, I think he is good. There's no question that I, I think he's good. It, it, is, he, is he healthy is the question. I think that people sometimes try to – they, they, they try to intertwine that. There's a difference between a, you know, a fantastic player and somebody who can just never be healthy. That, that's two different conversations. You know, if he's healthy, he's good. But, you know, availability is, you know, uh, being available is the best availability. So um, I do think that when he comes back, if I had him, I'd, I'd be streaming him, uh, no doubt, and I wouldn't be hesitating to do it. Uh, I think a lot of these these players, especially this year in particular, have proven that teams are willing to sit guys a couple extra weeks rather than throw them into the mix um, and, and take that chance to you know pull another hamstring or tweak an ankle. You know, people are resting longer in every sport, you know, let alone the NFL. So I think they're just being precautionary. I mean, they especially were the first few weeks when he didn't even play and he was getting limited share count and limited touches and, and snap count. So. Um, but when he's back, I, I think it's a full systems to go. Yeah, I brought I brought that up. I asked that question because it's kind of been a topic of conversation around these parts here uh, for for a few weeks, and I think that Miley High Valley bias was kind of exposed with with some of the facts that were brought to the table. Uh, that's for another time. Chargers twenty seven, Eagles twenty four. Justin Herbert getting back on track three fifty six and two. Keenan Allen, 12 catches for 104. Is he retaking that wide receiver one spot from Mike Williams? I mean, are any of us surprised? <laughs> to be nope. honest, I mean, Keenan Allen is just so dominant. I love, I love me some Keenan Allen. I just, I love him, man. He's such um, a smooth route runner. He's just so smooth. He just runs routes perfectly, and he just is his target share. Um, you know, he, he just, he's always, he just always seems to be in play. Um, I wasn't worried about him. I, I tried to make a trade for him a couple weeks ago. Um, I got declined, um, rightfully so. I, I think, you know, I tried to jump on him while he was low because everyone was on the, you know, the Mike Williams train, which, um, I'll talk about him really briefly. I mean, it, Mike Williams is what it is, you know, it, that's, that's, he's a boomer bust player. I think it, you know, the last couple of weeks has shown that. I mean, people were thinking he was going to be a, a top five, you know, wide receiver. I mean, hell, maybe I was even starting to consider it. But um, I, I do. I love. I like. I like Mike Williams. I think he's a great player. But um, at the end of the day, kind of like the T. Higgins discussion that we talked about earlier. You know, you know, Keenan Allen is the blanket, and there's no question about it. And 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 it proved it because the Chargers needed a win here. And blankets are exactly that. You know, who do they go to when they need a win? Who do they go to when the game's close? Who do they go to in, in a tough third down or fourth down or a goal line? Well, it was Keenan Allen, you know, with his 12 receptions and 104 yards. So um, do, 
you know, do I like Mike Williams still? Yeah. Do I think that, um, that he's, he, that uh, I'm talking bad or that he's not the right receiver one. That's not a debate I want to get into, but in terms of Keenan Allen, I do think he's still the number one guy. I think he's just a safer play. And I think he is the, the heart of the offense other than obviously the run game with Eckler. Um, so, I mean, that's something to talk about. I, I love talking about Jared cook too. I mean, this guy's starting to really uh, be kind of in the shadows and he's starting to get exposed a little bit. People are starting to, you know, stream him a little bit more. Um, he's starting to get, uh, a little bit more exposure. And then the dud was really Eckler. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if there's any Eckler, um, you know, owners on the, on the call or listening in right now, but I, I wouldn't take too much from it. I mean, they, uh, this isn't, this, this is not, you know, Eckler type esque. I mean, this guy is a, has a huge floor, normally grabs a lot of targets, has, you know, huge PPR upside. I, I would chalk this up as a kind of a weird week for Eckler and, you know, just kind of bounce back. Yeah, Austin Eckler is awesome. Um, are you an Eagles fan? Is that right? I am. I am an Eagles fan. Okay, that's perfect because I want I want to hear an Eagles fan perspective on something. For all intents and purposes, in my personal opinion, Miles Sanders is the most talented player on the Eagles offense. Do you have any gripes with what I just said? No, Miles Sanders is on my bench right now. Okay, so here's the question. While Miles Sanders was on, was active and not injured, he was not seeing the ball. He got hurt, and in the last two weeks, 36 running back carries and 29 running back carries. What? Why is that happening? What? Why isn't Miles Sanders getting those carries? Do you have any explanation for what's going on here? Well, I know he's on the IR, I think, for one more week. It was a three-week IR. Um, he should be back probably not this week, but the following week. He maybe might hit the practice field in limited fashion. I don't know what's going on there. I mean, ultimately, I, I was looking at some data. Um, what was going on was that with Jalen, Jalen was getting the throws. They were they were throwing the ball like crazy. Like, you know, you, it was like hotcakes, man. I mean, I've been looking at his numbers, though, from week – three, four, which was uh, like, I think like four, like 45 attempt weeks. And they've been slowly going down 38, 37, 28. And then the last two weeks, I mean, he barely threw the ball. So they're clearly hearing some of the, some, some of the heat from, you know, different fans, different, you know, the probably some of the front office. I'm, there's gotta be something going on with Sirianni as the head coach there. They're going to start running the ball more. I'm I'm happy with it as a Miles Sanders owner. I'm ready to plug him back in my lineup because I feel confident with this. The only thing that scares me as a Miles Sanders owner is that they're going to do a, they're going to do a timeshare, and, and and that's that's the reality of the situation. If you're a Sanders owner right now, is that you have to feel good about the volume that that the rush the rushing game has been providing the last couple of weeks, and finally you know there's been a pattern, but. You also have to feel scared that they're going to start looking at Boston Scott, looking at Kenneth Gainwell. Kenneth Gainwell was already starting to vulture here and there. Um, but, Jordan you know, Howard. Jordan Howard. I mean, he's getting seven. I'm looking it up 17 carries. Um, so I just I get worried that if I plug Miles Sanders in, that the rushes will be there. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little afraid that he's going to get vultured by some of these other guys. Jordan freaking Howard. Back from the dead. I love to see it. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's a good player. Uh, Devonte Smith had a great game as well, five for one sixteen and a touchdown. He had pretty much everything that Jalen Hurts did went to Devonte Smith. 
Um, so I guess if Jalen Hurts, I mean, like you said, they need to run the ball. They, they needed to run the ball from the first week. They'd be a lot more successful if they did so. Um, so you're definitely kind of hoping Devontae Smith gets all the passing work. Yeah, he's going to. I mean, they don't really have anybody else. They got Quez Watkins and Jalen Rager who, um, you know, have flashes of, of hope here and there. But ultimately, Devontae is the, you know, who they invested in on. I mean, he, the kid is good. I, I've watched him. He runs routes well. Um, he, he's he's very smooth. I mean, I, there was a little bit of question on his hands because he's dropped a few balls recently. But I'm not too concerned with that. I mean, he. We're back again. I, I don't know what's going on, but whatever. Eagles, Eagles, Eagles. Uh, Falcons 27, Saints 25. Matt Ryan's the QB1 on the week. Uh, he's playing really well lately. Yeah, uh, surprisingly too. I mean, without his, uh, his cohort, without CR, Ridley's, I mean, we can pretty much chalk him out, I think, for the year. I mean, I know some owners have been – have him on the bench on my league. They still have him on the bench, but you know, and I, I can't judge that. I probably would be too with the, <laughs> with the investment that people put in on a second round mid, you know, early third rounder on him um, to see maybe if there's hopes that he comes back, but you know, yeah, he, he has bounced back. Matt Ryan has been doing well. Um, he's very similar to Carson Wentz in terms of, you know, him kind of getting back on track and being viable. I'm not afraid to go to him as, is at least in a league format, I wouldn't. In DFS, a little bit different story. I mean, the big takeaway for this Falcons team, it continues to be Cordell Patterson. I mean, this guy yeah. is um, nobody. If I don't think anybody thought this would have happened and, and, and continued to go on this way. If you would have talked to me a few weeks ago, I, I would have told you that it would eventually you know, simmer down or um, it, it would slow down or you know, something would happen. But he, he is formidable and his presence is – it's there and it's staying there. I think, especially with 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 Ridley out at this point, um, I don't think Cordell's going anywhere. If anybody's not going anywhere, it's Mike Davis. If you're a Mike Davis yeah. owner right now, you are scared. He's dead. I, he's not even rosterable in my opinion. He's dead. Get him. Get him out of here. He's all. He's not good. He's so bad. He's dead. <laughs> he's, he's, yeah. he, his PPR is out the door because of Patterson and his and and without the PPR. Um, he's he's a nobody. Useless. Uh, for the Saints, Alvin Kamara, 104 total yards and a touchdown. They're going to keep leaning on him the rest of the season. If you've got Kamara, you go ahead and play him. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay, so real quick now, we've talked about Alvin Kamara. We talked about Nick Chubb. We talked about Jonathan Taylor. Now that Derrick Henry is out, who's the RB1 rest of the season? I mean, unfortunately, it is AP. Uh, it, it's it's it is unfortunate. I, I was hoping they'd go to McNichols. Uh, McNichols. I have both of them. I scoop both of them up in my fantasy league, and I, I kind of just wanted to kind of you know do a science experiment and see you know after the game the other day what would happen. And I I kind of got my intel. I mean, one game is not enough to make a full scope of things, but you know it's a it's a sample size. I mean, I have to go with it right now. And AP got the ten carries. He led the team. He was extremely inefficient. He did not look that good. Um, but it was that Rams defense, in fairness. I mean, that's – I mean, I I wasn't expecting him to to rush and break lots of, you know, tackles and everything against that Rams line. Um, but he did salvage it with the, you know, with the touchdown, obviously. I'd say he's a very – he's an RB3 
at this point. He's very touchdown dependent. Um, if you have to go to him or if I have to go to him, I will stream AP. Um, but uh, I don't know what to do with McNichols. I, I'm going to have to see more. I might have to drop him because if they really are only going to use him for a few more rushes, maybe a few more than what he was receiving uh, prior to Derrick Henry's injury, um, and then continue to kind of give him the same PPR format, maybe a few catches, then he really isn't too viable. Yeah, the Titans beat the Rams 28-16. to 16. I don't want any part of Adrian Peterson or Jeremy McNichols. Um, I got a trade offer sitting in my trades right now, Adrian Peterson, for a second-round pick that I'm going to completely ignore. I won't reject it. I won't accept it. I won't counter. I'm going to just let it sit there until the owner of, of Adrian <laughs> Peterson hears this podcast tomorrow morning. <laughs> After the waivers go through and I have picked up Deontay Foreman, the actual best running back for the Titans rest of season. Um, I think Deontay Foreman clearly was the best uh, running back for them this week. Uh, only got uh, five carries, went for 29 yards. Uh, but I think that Tennessee's going to go back. They're going to look at the tape and they're going to say, wow, Deontay Foreman needs to play more football. And I think that's what's going to happen. Uh, and I'm going to laugh when I get him for free off of waivers tomorrow morning. Yeah, I'm gonna, uh, you know, somebody's probably going to do that in my league and it's going to hurt because I watched Foreman. He looked pretty good. He had five carries. McNichols had five carries and then Peterson took the double up on the 10. Foreman did look probably the best. Um, and he's, I think, the youngest. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, it's a tough situation. Uh, to be honest, it wouldn't surprise me if this is just a three-headed monster and it's just a, it kind of similar to the, what happens over in New England. It's just it's a crab shoot each week. I was willing to take the chance because why not? Um, I needed a running back. Miles Sanders on the IR. I, had, I needed to do something and, and take some chances here. So I went in on McNichols. I went in on AP. I got him for free because I caught it right when the news broke and he was a free agent on my app. Uh, so I got him for free. So I wasn't really hurting too much there, but I just wanted to see what happens. And and we, we still might not know in, in week two, you know, the next week or the following week. It might be Foreman. It might be not. It wouldn't surprise me if anything happens there. We just need to keep seeing more. Yep. Time will tell on that situation. Bears 27, Steelers 29. Uh, in terms of uh, fantasy, I mean, Najee Harris is another one who's in contention to be the RB1 uh, the rest of the season. And for the Bears, I mean, uh, Darnell Mooney is he's definitely a startable asset goes goes in for two touchdowns one of them rushing uh i i like darnell mooney actually for the bears the rest of the season he's definitely taken over Allen robinson's uh wide receiver one unfortunately wide receiver one for the bears doesn't mean too much no it doesn't and i agree with you i i think mooney is definitely the the wide receiver one at this point uh, there's no question about it. I thought they were going to trade, you know, Allen Robinson. I'd really like to see him on another team. It's a shame. Kind of reminds me of um, of Alshon Jeffrey's situation a few years ago. Um, so it's similar gameplay, similar player. I mean, they're, they they remind me of each other in a lot of ways, not just because they, you know, were the wide receiver one on a crappy Bears team. Uh, but, I mean, the big news is Dave Montgomery's back. Um, and – there's a timeshare with Khalil Herbert. Everyone wasn't wasn't sure of how much, you know, what, what, what was going to be the tandem there. It looks like it's not as heavy as the timeshare as some of us might have anticipated. Montgomery nope. is the clear running back. He is the go-to guy. If you're a Khalil Herbert owner, I probably wouldn't drop him right now, but I also wouldn't sit there and bank on it too much. It looks like Montgomery's going to probably get back into that role and 
Khalil will probably just play a, a complimentary type of uh, asset. So um, Robinson is basically worth dropping at this point. I can't believe people still have him other than the fact that he finally got over the 10-point hump the other day. But I got a friend of mine who has Allen Robinson right now, and I just make fun of him every week for even keeping him on his bench. Um, yeah, Mooney's pretty much the only takeaway at this point. That's that's really worth it. I, I don't feel confident in Justin Fields, but it does look like Justin Fields is starting to kind of get into a little bit more of a groove because he was trash the last few weeks. <laughs> so yeah, um, big time. Yeah, big time. I mean it's it's bad. So I I think really yeah, I mean Mooney's the only person, and then obviously Montgomery I just mentioned looks like he's healthy and back on track. So. Yeah, I I was hoping for a timeshare personally with with Herbert. I think Herbert is going to maintain being like a, a high end handcuff, but Montgomery dominated the snaps and he's clearly the the running back to have there. Uh, unfortunately, I saved the best for last. Cardinals thirty one, San Francisco seventeen. Uh, just we can just spend the rest of the time talking about what James Conner did this week. Uh, the the running back one on if you had James Conner in your lineup, you won this week definitely 96 on the ground five for 77 three total touchdowns James Conner looked incredible yeah he broke the slate you know whether that was you know on a DFS format or if you were going against him I mean he was not the guy you wanted to go against in a fantasy league this week um and if you would have told me that you know that 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 he was going to be the break the the slate breaker or the you know the team the team buster this week I don't think many people would have believed it um so I mean, yeah, he 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 he's a good running back. I mean, um, we saw what he did for you know the Pittsburgh Steelers a year ago. We we saw that you know he has talent. He has um, that that north to south characteristic in him too. I mean, he can he can catch the ball and he can you know take it up the gut and he can he can really pound and drive um, from an old school cowbell kind of perspective. So. Um, if you're a James Con- uh, a James Connor owner right now, you're feeling good, especially with the news of Edmonds looking like he's going to be out and missing some time. Um, I mean, his 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 value is just skyrocketing right now. Even if they do a timeshare, which it looks like they're still going to do, um, I saw there's a, a running back Eno they're they're bringing in there for the Cardinals. I wouldn't be too worried. Eno about Benjamin. That. Yeah, you know, you know, you know, Benjamin. Benjamin. Yeah, I don't, don't, yeah. I don't need no Benjamin. I need James Conner, no, bro. If you, you know, Benjamin. So this week, actually, I had Jonathan Taylor Thursday night and I was pumped up. And then I had Nick Chubb at one o'clock and I was pumped up. And I, and then I, I also had Sam Darnold go for negative four. I was feeling good. <laughs> I was feeling good though. Still, I was doing well, and then uh, the guy I played had Justin Herbert, the the quarterback one on the week, and James Conner, the running back one. On the, I lost, so I lost. Uh, but that's fantasy, man. That's the nature of the beast. Um, so before we drop this call again, uh, I want to thank you for coming on to the podcast, Mister American Najee Warrior. It was really good talking football with you today. Absolutely. It's a pleasure being on and I look forward to uh, coming back and talking more football. Absolutely. Before I let you go, though, give me a Super Bowl prediction. Super Bowl prediction. I'm going Tampa Bay and I am also going to go with that's tough. I'm going Tampa Bay and Kansas City. I, I do. I think I think Kansas City turns it around 
And um, if they do turn it around, expect them to make a crazy run and expect them to make it to the Super Bowl. If, if they don't turn it around, it is what it is. Uh, but if, if they do, they'll make it to the Super Bowl. All right. You heard it here first. Chalk. Tampa Bay, Kansas City rematch this year in the Super Bowl. Thank you again, Mr. American, for coming on the podcast. And we will talk again shortly, I'm sure. Absolutely. You have a wonderful night. All right, brother. Bye. Bye. Post week nine podcast is in the books. Awesome entry into the podcast from new analyst, the American Najee Warrior. Don't forget it. He's a highly respected Najee Warrior. And we have to, you know, take his words for what they are. And that is a gift, a golden gift. Thank you again, Mr. American, for coming on to the podcast. This was the KOLL podcast. New tagline alert where we have hot takes and hotter podcasters. Enjoy your football.